Hi, this is John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. This is our hot stove edition, and this week we've got a very interesting conversation uh, for you. So uh, we'll jump right into it and uh, do our introductions in the body of the podcast, and uh, encourage you to stick around at the end, and uh, we'll catch up there. George, thanks for joining us. Today, uh, Richard Perry and I are joined by George Charney. Um, a lot of folks uh, know George as the uh, creator and artist behind the Copper Fisherman. Uh, others may know him uh, for his passion in astronomy. Um, yet many may not realize that um, George has a... Uh, a title to go with him besides great guy, and that is doctor. And um, as a retired anesthesiologist, um, and now, I guess, how do you want to phrase it, George? Uh, vol- voluntarily unretired or <laughs> yes. partially unretired? Yes. Or, yeah. I'll kind of let you lead from there. But um, drafted. <laughs> drafted, unretired under duress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Secundered. The. Um, but you got you've got some cool stuff going in that you're uh, oh you're helping with the vaccination efforts in the Greater Toledo area and uh, so today instead of talking uh, mainly about the artsy craftsy and cool stuff uh, we'll talk about other cool stuff and maybe you can uh, help bring us up to speed on the latest and greatest in the uh, COVID vaccine world. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, it's always nice to see you guys, and nice to get out of the house and sit someplace other than my own living room. Exactly. We're all wearing masks. My wife doesn't make me wear my mask, but um, yeah. Well, I I, uh, I actually retired from medicine uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, here then, early last spring, uh, I received a notification from the state of Michigan and the state of Ohio that they didn't want me qu- quite to cash in my licenses yet. <laughs> and the, uh, they asked uh, that recently retired physicians, physicians within the past previous five years, uh, consider relicensing or at least getting back into, maintaining, uh, uh, if not a full licensure, uh, at least making themselves available uh, for uh, a surge in the uh, COVID uh, situation. Um, since that time, uh, they've gone as far as having training programs for us online uh, to try to keep up with the current developments because, as you know, I mean, it's just been, it, it changes every week. You know, uh, what was the truth last week is old news now. Um, and so again, starting last spring, uh, they asked if we would do that. Uh, subsequent to that, they've had, uh, through a couple of government agencies, uh, shuffled us around. Uh, and now I'm part of the uh, Michigan Volunteer Corps and the Ohio Volunteer Corps, uh, both of which are um, uh, organizations that the federal government has has um, sanctioned, but they're administrated by the states. So each individual state has its own volunteer corps, um, but we can be shipped basically anywhere in the country. So there's no reciprocity issue in um, you coming from Michigan to Ohio or? Well, I'm licensed in both, so okay. for me there's no problem. Okay. But, the, the, uh, but the nice thing about being licensed in Michigan and being licensed in Ohio, most of the states that have reciprocity with Ohio Okay, don't have it with Michigan, and the ones that have it with Michigan don't have it with Ohio. Indeed. So it's uh, I'm, luckily I can go basically anywhere. But most of the things that that I would be asked to do probably wouldn't require licensure anyway. You know, unless things really, really hit the fan. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to take a retire, uh, uh, you know, a 65 year old, 66 year old retired doc and stick him in an intensive care unit in California, somewhere. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see that happening now, mm. uh, though at the time that, that they were doing this, that's what they were talking about. They were so worried that 
we wouldn't get a vaccine on board soon enough. Sooner or later, there are going to be doc- going to be a doctor shortage and a nursing shortage. It's kind of like a SWAT team approach that we're going to send you to the right. hot zone and plug the holes. No pun intended with the hot zone, but yeah. Yeah, and the uh, so uh, luckily it didn't come to that. Uh, but now, uh, of course, uh, as hopefully things are going to start winding down uh, in the hospitals, certainly they have in Michigan. Okay, uh, my, my nephew is an ICU nurse, or, or uh, PA, excuse me, uh, uh, down in Grand Rapids. They're down to pre-COVID, um, they're down to pre-COVID numbers in the intensive care unit there as far as respiratory uh, problems. Um, they still have a few lingering uh, uh, COVID patients in their intensive care unit. But things have really started to come down a little bit in Michigan now. Hopefully we're not gonna spike again. But um, so now, now the emphasis, at least as far as the volunteer corps are concerned, are staffing uh, the vaccination clinics. Uh, as you know, right now, because of the uh, limited amount of vaccine that's available, uh, we probably actually have an oversupply of uh, vaccination capacity with not enough vaccine to give. I see and I think the powers that be see that that's quickly going to change. Okay, there's going to be enough vaccine available uh, before, certainly before the end of the summer. Um, Mm -hmm. And there may not be enough people to to jab the arms. Okay, so that's... That'd be a nice conundrum. Well, yeah. And and I think you're going, I I think they're, they're doing a good job of getting the, the uh, uh, capacity to do that in line maybe before the vaccine becomes totally available everywhere whenever you want it, uh, to have that capacity to have the people to give it so that people aren't waiting in lines sure. uh, you know, for a well, day on end. If you can build end. your back-end logistics and right, you know, right. your supplies. So uh, as that. we were talking about earlier, I haven't been asked to volunteer yet in Michigan for an actual uh, 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 vaccine clinic. Okay. Okay. Uh, things are off to, uh, of course, we're in northern Michigan. We don't have the huge crowds of people uh, waiting for it. There are people waiting for it, certainly, but they, you know, they're doing far fewer now. Fade into it. You were in Toledo at a, uh, at a campus event in the, in, in the gymnasium? Uh, yes. So we had the... Um, uh, well, actually, it was the, it was the second uh, immunization clinic uh, that I was involved in uh, at the University of Toledo, and the uh, uh, we put through uh, three thousand seven hundred and fifty uh, people uh, in a period from seven o'clock in the morning until about four thirty in the afternoon. Uh, we had. Uh, a total of somewhere between 24 and throughout the day, 24 and 30 uh, people giving injections, along with uh, 30 pharmacists drawing up drugs, uh, all kinds of volunteers guiding people through the system and watching them afterwards. We had EMS there uh, to watch for any reactions mm-hmm. or to help deal with reactions. Uh, do you, what are you holding folks for like 15 minutes or so? Uh, yes, if you don't have any uh, uh, flags or markers that would that would indicate that you are high likelihood for uh, an allergic reaction, or if you've previously had a high, excuse me, if you've previously uh, had an anaphylactic reaction or severe allergic reaction uh, to uh, either uh, a, a, a component, uh, well, that's not exact. If if you have a history of anaphylaxis. Okay, um, uh, which is a severe allergic reaction, mm-hmm. uh, then they would keep you for up to 30 minutes to watch it, you. Is the qualifier on that, um, if you were to fall into that demographic, is that, is the heads up like, okay, I carry an EpiPen? Yes. Yes. If you've had, if you've had uh, uh, a previous allergic reaction that's required the use of an EpiPen or being taken to the emergency room, uh, that, that's a very good qualifier, uh, especially the EpiPen part. If you're carrying an EpiPen, yes, you're going to be staying at least 30 minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, in the non-hospital-based uh, immunization settings, um, uh, they're they're extremely cautious. Okay. Um, so if you get to your 
immunization uh, uh, site, and they say we want you to stick around for 30 minutes. Um, they're being cautious. Mm -hmm. That's all. They're just being cautious. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, you know. <laughs> and the uh, and they in depending on your individual situation, they may say yes. You you should probably still get the vaccine, but probably not here. You probably should have it in the hospital setting. Okay. And uh, and and that happens. Okay, where people will come in, and they will just have something in their background. Okay, um, that um, makes taking care of them out in the field uh, a little less comfortable. Sure. And we all kind of just have to understand that. Okay, I have, a, I have a family member that went through this just last week. Uh, she had had an allergic reaction to a totally unrelated drug, mm -hmm. okay? But they just weren't comfortable at the vaccination site and she had to go to the hospital to get her shot. And again, I don't want to go too far down the wormhole, but I am curious, what if you, what if you, as a rule, um, are allergic to penicillin. Is that mm -hmm. is that a flag or uh, it, well, is that just a total? The only flag thing? there is that the um, if you uh, have a history of anaphylaxis, you are um, put into a. It's not a contraindication, okay, to getting the vaccine. All right, the only contraindications to getting the vaccine are uh, allergy to any um, uh, mRNA vaccine, okay, okay, which is a new class of vaccine, um, or an allergy to uh, polyethylene glycol or polysorbate. Okay, those are the only three absolute contraindications to getting, excuse me, the, uh, to getting the current vaccine. Then you have a precautionary uh, a category Okay, and these are people who um, um, people who are uh, have a history of allergy, severe allergy to things. Okay. Okay, such as penicillin. Okay. okay. Uh, if you've had if you've had a severe allergic reaction to any injectable medication, okay, you uh, then uh, fall into that second category um, where you probably should be taken care of uh, 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 at, at, at a medical facility. Well, the, the infrastructure right. and all the support systems are in place. Right. Whereas maybe in a uh, an elementary school or a gymnasium or a church or something, <laughs> yeah, maybe you've got an EMT parked outside, but... Right. So those decisions made on a review of medical records or just patient disclosure? Patient disclosure. So you got to tell them. Yeah. Yeah, you're asked. To, you're asked. To, you have yeah, a questionnaire, questionnaire that you fill you out. Front, yeah. Some qualifiers. And on the front uh, and most people will tell you that yes, I've had a you know severe problem with this or that. Now, those last two compounds you mentioned are those suspension agents or uh, preservative. Okay. Preservatives. Um, the uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, again with a family member of mine, uh, the uh, I was going through the list of ingredients on the two both of the currently available vaccines. And uh, there is a preservative in one of them that I know that he's allergic to. Um, uh, he gets these severe hives with them. Okay. With it. It's in certain foods. It's in a lot of ah. preserved foods. Okay. And uh, so he would not be eligible for that particular vaccine. So he would look for one right. of the he others? He can't take the Pfizer. He needs the Moderna. So he has to know that. So if you have a history... And this is what, I, what I've been telling other people, too. If you have a history of uh, a severe allergic reaction to something, look them up online. You can, you can look up the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. Actually, they have them on the same chart. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ingredients. And you can compare the ingredients. Okay. Uh, and, you know, most of them are big, long chemical words that no, none of us have ever heard of. And fine, just ignore those. But if you see that little that little word that 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 you're allergic to that little thing that you're allergic to, well, then you're going to have to address that. Um, we have other vaccines that are coming out now. the The Johnson and Johnson vaccine uh, will be coming out soon, and I'm sure it will have a whole new list of ingredients too. Oh, sure. So just because you couldn't get the the Pfizer, then you could get the maybe you could take the Moderna. You can't take either of those two. Well, then you may be able to take the Johnson and Johnson. So all is not lost 
no reason to panic. Right. These right. things are these all things are time. all in good time. Your turn will come, and hopefully they'll have something good for you. Well, and, and for our listeners, um, normally we try to keep uh, our podcast timing rather generic and <laughs> you know um, non traceable, except for maybe certain fly hatches. But um, <laughs> yeah, today we're recording on the twenty fourth of February, and this morning the FDA. Um, kind of gave it's like okay you, you can probably go forward and seek approval um i don't know what the official term of okayness is there but <laughs> <laughs> they, they kind of got that like okay thumbs up you go to the next station and right maybe that'll wave through so hopefully maybe <clears throat> by the end of the week uh there's a third player in this space may very well be and the question the question that is on everybody's mind right now in the medical community is how many doses can Johnson & Johnson actually get out, and when can they get them out? Uh, we've heard big numbers, we've heard much smaller numbers, and uh, we aren't getting a, a lot of indication at this time. All we know is, is it's probably coming, and it's probably coming sooner than later. Um, the, uh, it will hopefully be approved uh, for emergency usage uh, uh, this uh, within the next week or two. Mm -hmm. Okay which would make it into the beginning of March. Sure. Um, uh, the initial numbers we were he hearing were 100 million doses, and now we're, to we're talking maybe 20 million doses to start off with. In the with, first wave? In the first, in the first uh, blast to come from them. Okay. Um, but again, those numbers are just numbers that somebody put out there, and we don't actually know. What I do think is going to happen is much the same uh, as happened with the uh, the tests for the COVID vaccine, where everybody wanted to get a test and nobody sure. could find a test. There weren't enough tests. How do you get tested? And now you can go to the drugstore and get a test. Okay, you can you can go up to the drive drive-in window at the drugstore and get a test. Right. Uh, I saw that happen. Uh, yeah, up a prescription. I did too. I wasn't even aware that was a thing. But, yeah, <laughs> they, 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 that that arm came out and stuck them right in the nose. <laughs> no, they they actually passed the thing out and the patient did it themselves. But what I'm saying is, is that. All of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of a vaccine available. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen all of a sudden. You know, right now people are crying out because they're not able to find a place to go get a vaccine. People that are qualified to get a vaccine right now can't seem to get it. Um, uh, the vaccine is out there. More is coming, and a lot more is coming, and, sure. a, and it's going to it's going to kind of happen all at once. Well, kind of be like the bell curve of the population. We've hit for those, you know far right of the chart or far left of the chart, however you prefer to look at it, but the bulk of the general population is probably going to fall in the middle and hopefully coincide mm -hmm. with... Yeah, I, I, uh, as, we were talking about, or, as we were talking about earlier, I think, you know, maybe, maybe this is uh, 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 a, a silver lining to a cloud, okay? It's, getting, it's giving people the time to get the logistics set up so that we can give a mass vaccination, okay? We've been doing it, and... We've, I think we've been doing a remarkably good job of it uh, as far as actually administering these, these vaccines. Um, uh, the problem has been getting the vaccines. But now we've got a system set up. And we've I got think, process and procedure instead of individual heroics. and Right. The difference between the two clinics I've done so far were night and day. The first clinic I did, which was approximately four weeks ago, um, was very good. We did 400 in one day. And we thought we had done a fine job, and we did. You know, everybody was that within expectations of. I think so. That well, they had people scheduled. Bingo. They, okay. We did everybody that was scheduled. We did it in our ten-hour period, something like that. But it was it was much smaller and maybe not quite as well organized as the one I did last week, where we did roughly four or uh, ten times that that number. Well, you were suggesting. What, an injection every four or five minutes or something? Last week uh, when I was at University of Toledo. For each person injecting. <laughs> each person injecting uh, had a patient every four minutes on average. Okay. That's incredible. That, that was to introduce yourself to the patient, go over their, go over their um, uh, uh, medical the history. Scan questionnaire, yeah. Um, uh, explain to the patient what you were going to do. Do it. Explain to them what they had to do afterwards. And tell them where to go. That's awesome. You had four minutes, and wow. it was, uh, uh, I mean, from seven in the morning until four thirty in the afternoon, 
and they didn't skip a beat. These we, people we love were process fabulous. improvements. Pardon me. I said we love process improvements. Oh, it's incredible! <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Henry Ford would have loved it. <laughs> okay, you know we would have slapped uh -huh. a, slapped him on a chassis and had him out of there. It was once you work the tweaks out, then you can work the scale out. So now, so now, like I said, I think people are going to see that all of a sudden things are going to become available, and we're going to at least have the process in place that we can get those needles into those arms and do it efficiently. You know. On the backside logistic component, and I can't, I can't remember where I saw the article, but I, I did see an article recently that was talking about uh, syringe availability, and I believe this it pertained more to the Pfizer having the um, loose quote six dose per vial, <laughs> that little mm -hmm. angel share, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that they're able to Angel obtain sure, that. Like that. It's like whiskey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all the good stuff just floats into the air. The, um, but they're able to do that as a function of a type of syringe, an LDR perhaps, or something like that, a, a mm. low draw or something that they... Maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the actual okay. term for it. But okay. I will tell you that in this last clinic that I just worked in, during the course of the day, I had two different syringes, two different kinds of syringes. They ran out of the one and they went to the, old, the older one that I was used to. Uh, the syringe that I used for the 90% of my injections that day was number one, was one of the most incredible syringes I'd ever used. I mean, it's a little one cc syringe. There's nothing fancy to look at. It had like a 20, I think it might've been a 25 gauge needle, which is tiny. Yeah. I mean, that's tiny. And it was sharp as a razor. Just the one that clicks? Well, yes. You push it in, okay, you give the injection. Oh, it's the mousetrap okay. style. <laughs> and then there's a button on the end, uh -huh. and you push this button, and the needle shoots back up into the into the yes. syringe. Yes. Well, now you're talking to a guy who was in medicine for 40-some years, okay, and the first thing you think if you pull a syringe back, and there's no needle on the end, is that the needle broke off exactly. in the patient's arm. <laughs> and it's inside it's inside the syringe. And I look at the nurse who's standing next to me, and she says, it's supposed to do that. And I said, okay. Pass the rare earth magnet you know, nurse. <laughs> but it, and at the end of the day, they started giving me my old syringe okay. that, that I used to use. because that those. Um, so I don't know that there's a shortage of syrin syringes, but there certainly are different ones. Okay. Um, and one works. Tr truthfully, one works as well as the next. But it, it was just very interesting that that uh, I had not. I mean, my whole life it was syringes and hollow needles. You know, yeah. without the invention of the hollow needle, my children would not have shoes. You know, because that's what <laughs> that's what we do. And it was very strange to me that they that they had something new like that. So, uh, well, as, as somebody that uses a biologic, I've had that. I'll call it contraption. I call it the mouse trap uh, mm -hmm. needle. Um, not a particular fan of that for self injections, because um, <laughs> when that click goes off, <laughs> you get that involuntary jerk, and you don't want to waste the medicine. Yeah. <laughs> you just, I feel a lot more in control uh, with the syringe, <laughs> yeah. with the old school type. When we got our first shot. The the, uh, the nurse said. This is going to click. It's okay. It's supposed to do that. You know, okay. Of course, Lillian was a nurse for, what, 40 years? Mm -hmm. And I don't think she was. She was I, kind of surprised by I, that. I, I, I mean, I was just in awe of this. Now, it's I must lead a pretty boring life to be in awe of a syringe. Yeah. But I was in awe of this syringe. It was just, and it was, it was painless. I mean, it was so sharp. Uh, uh, I was just, just enthralled with this syringe. And then at the end of the day, when I started to, when they would bring me my little tray of doses, I started noticing that I was getting different syringes, and I said, what's going on? How come I'm not getting the cool syringes? They said, we're all out of them. Okay, so yeah. you got the old... The patients didn't know the difference, but I wasn't as happy. So. Fishing these out of the bay. But anyway, so we gave a lot of injections in a very, uh, in a very short period of time. People were wonderful. The, the, the logistics were great. Um, so I think that when when the more doses do become available, um, you're going to have the system in place to get them into the arm. Um, I, I, 
don't know a whole lot about the system up here in northern Michigan, uh, other than the fact that this is where I got mine, and it was very well done. Uh, we, di we didn't uh, have any, we didn't have any trouble getting the vaccine, uh, uh, but the, um, I, I understand that there are some people that are still looking for the vaccine. Um, there are mechanisms in place that, to help you find the vaccine, uh, and, but what everybody's going to tell you is to be patient. Okay, sure. there is going to be vaccine and there will be plenty of vaccine for everybody. Um, I did want to put out there that if people are having, I know that we're not just, we have listeners that are uh, not in northern Michigan, other mm -hmm. places. There is a mechanism by which you can be helped. Um, uh, I'm not a terribly computer savvy person. Okay, uh, I, that's what that's what I, my wife takes care of that for me, thankfully. Uh, but anyway, uh you can go on to the uh, State of Michigan website, okay? Just put in uh, State of Michigan uh, COVID web website, just Google that, and uh, it will give you a, <clears throat> a uh, uh, website. Uh, and you actually go on to that website, click on it, and it'll, it'll say sites available or, uh, or how to obtain your vaccination. If you're like me and you're not the most computer savvy person in the world, okay, um, you can actually call two one one. There you go. Just dial two one one, and somebody on the other end it may take a little while to get in, but somebody on the other end will help you uh, find a place to sign up for a vaccination. As a function of guidance, that would be if you're. We wouldn't want to encourage if if you're not in one of the targeted groups, probably best not to do that because I have kind of heard their phones are... The phones are pretty tied yeah. up. Yes. Um, but if you don't know that you're in a targeted group, they'll guide you to that. Bingo. There, there you there, go. It's, uh, I have not, I myself have not actually dialed that number, okay? But the, uh, 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 it is published and uh, supposedly it is useful. That's pretty exciting. So you can you can get that. Um, one of the other things that uh, uh, I, I want just wanted to touch on uh, because there are certain things that patients ask you ask you when they come in and sit okay. down for you and you've got four minutes to deal with them. Okay, um, they want to know what am I going to feel like afterwards huh? after the shot. Okay, good okay. question, fair question. So that's a fair question. If this is your first shot, most of the people aren't going to feel a whole bunch the next day. Some people say they feel a little achy. Some people have a headache after the, after the first shot. Um, go for it. Uh, but the symptoms tend to be relatively mild after the first shot. Okay, there will always be exception to that. There will be some people that will uh, uh, feel worse, but the vast majority of people are going to have very mild symptoms after the first shot. Suggesting that the folks, some of the folks that family and friends that have had that administered, I'm hearing kind of kind of like the after effects of a tetanus shot. Uh, certainly, as far as how your arm feels, yes. Yeah. Okay. It it does. Um, uh, uh, you usually know that you had a shot yeah, the next yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but you're not, you're not, uh, most of the time you're not ill. Correct. Okay, most of the time you're not ill. Uh, the vast majority of people, I had no symptoms at all the next day. Mm -hmm. My wife had a little headache and her arm hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's after the first injection. The second injection because your body has already been exposed to the virus. Armed and ready to go. Okay. It's armed and ready to, ready, ready to play. Okay. So the second injection, don't plan on doing anything tomorrow after that. Have a meal okay. prepared, take the day Have off. Have a meal prepared, take the day off. <laughs> Have some soup on the stove or something. There you go. You're probably going to feel unwell the next day. Not everybody, but almost everybody that I've talked to has said that the second shot they knew that they had gotten a shot. They were they were feeling pretty poorly the next day. Only lasts uh, um, maybe 10, 20 hours, something mm -hmm. like that. It goes away, and you're and you're all better. Okay. Then the really confusing ones 
is the one where somebody has already had COVID. I was just wanted you to and go. Now there, they're coming to... back to get their their immunizations, and so the unfortunate person who has already suffered through COVID, okay, now gets their first shot, and pff, they're sick the next day. It's they're like real because yeah. their body is already ramped up with antibody, and uh, for a lot longer than a two or three week period. Yeah, most likely. And the and the <laughs> so they they get that shot, and the next day, they're sick. That's after their first shot. And then that poor person has to come back in three weeks or four weeks, depending on whether you get Moderna or Pfizer, okay, and get the shot again and be sick all over again. Oh, so they, they you're get getting sick. a double header. Actually, a triple, because they, 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 they had the original exposed. disease. Yeah. Okay. They've got the first shot and the second shot, and they're sick after both of those. But um, uh, so. And that's not an every time, but that <coughs> can certainly happen. It can. It can. Uh, uh, again, I, I've had several friends now and, and family. Uh, a good portion of my family's in medicine. And oh, okay. A, a good portion <laughs> of my family's had COVID, okay, because they're all working in intensive care units all over the world. Uh, but the, um, they were all ill when they had the, 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 the disease. And then they had to, of course, because they're working in the hospitals, they're all better now. But they're working in the hospitals, so they go and they get their their shots. Mm -hmm. And uh, down in Grand Rapids, anyway, they were actually scheduling people to get their shot with two days off after their shot because they knew they were going to be sick. Take a lump, yeah. Okay. That happened um, to my little sis. They, she's a, in fact, a, a happy retirement, uh, Susie. Uh, she's retiring at the end of the week uh, after 30 years as a cytotech. Uh, at a hospital in Bloomington, and uh, unfortunately, she had been exposed to the virus. Had a very mild, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you would have thought it was the flu and not COVID, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, rallied out of it, but uh, had a very similar first shot experience because she was already mm -hmm. her body was tuned in to. Oh yeah, it ramps up really fast. The uh, my point in bringing these things up to the patients is that I want them to understand that this is not a bad reaction, right. okay? Right. This is expected. We're expecting this. You actually want to see some response. Working as designed. It tells you that there was something in the syringe that you got the shot from, okay? <laughs> um, so you're expecting this. Um, get the second shot. If you're sick after the first shot, get the second shot. That wasn't a bad thing. It just means that you're got a good immune system, but follow the directions, get both doses. Um, the other thing I, that's very important that I did not see stressed at, at the first clinic that I went at, but was stressed at the second clinic, the, you, they're going to give you a little card there. And that little card says what you were given and when you were given. And that's yours for life now, okay? Take a picture of it with your phone. Put it up into the cloud. Don't lose that card. It's like your passport. It's like your passport and may very well be necessary to go maybe with come, your passport. Maybe, maybe come passport, you know, yeah. uh, There are actually mechanisms going in place now in the European Union where they're trying to actually get a, an electronic addendum to your passport. Yeah, if it, it would be to like allow a, you to travel in addition the to Union. your cell phone wallet where you might store your... Charge right. plate or whatever. So at least if you have it up in the cloud somewhere, you can find it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think that's a very important thing, and we emphasize that's that to the patients advice. as they were going out. Take a picture of it with your phone. It will go into the cloud, and you'll be able to get it out somehow. Well, whatever objections you may have to that, it will keep you from getting another shot at some point, maybe. Or two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Because if you don't have it, you've not been immunized. Yep. You know what I mean? The, according to the, the government, right. you know, you need that. Um, of course, people always want to know about the allergic reactions. They want to know about, you know, uh, how many people have died of this thing. You know, is this something I should be worrying about? This is an extremely safe vaccine. When you look at the period of time that they had to work with, okay, in getting this vaccine to market, this is a miracle drug. I mean, this is absolutely a miracle. This is a 10-year drug that they got out in a fraction of that. 
George, okay. were they able to do that because a lot of the underlying chemistry is known, if you will, uh, relative to RNA type stuff? Exactly. I, that, that's that's a very good point. mRNA vaccines, okay, um, are not brand new. Okay, so we do have some basic science that was already there, um, which we were then able to take the COVID situation and plug that into that thing. It's one of the reasons why it's a safe vaccine, okay? It's one of the reasons why it's such a safe vaccine. Um, uh, because the, uh, the simple science behind it creates a safe drug. Um, so far, we have not had any deaths reported from anaphylaxis. That's from a severe allergic reaction, because the rule is: you, if you're getting, if you're giving the shot, you got to be able to take care of the anaphylaxis. Okay. Anaphylaxis is actually extremely rare mm -hmm. with this drug. Okay, they're saying uh, roughly five out of a million doses for uh, the for the Pfizer, and two point eight per million doses for the Moderna. Those so are that's pretty good betting odds. That's, you know, you know, if somebody gives you those odds at the casino, you take those. Jumping on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so far in Michigan, we've had 27 reported deaths, okay? But that's reported deaths within like 24 hours of a dose of the thing. The vast majority of those were in nursing homes, hospice care, and uh, elderly people, age, uh, average age was 78, okay? If you look at the overall population, if you take all the people there's, that are in those populations, more than 27 people died just of natural causes. Tripping over the sidewalk. Tripping over, well, yeah. Whatever. I mean, you're giving it to hospice patients who right. are people that are by definition dying. On the way out, yes. Okay. Respectful. Uh, so you're going to expect a certain number of people to die. Um, uh, actually, uh, from the data that I was reading, it looked like the vast, vast majority were in some sort of long-term care facility uh, or hospice in care. Potential state of right. decline. We did have a TV newscaster, though, in Detroit pass away really? uh, uh, within 24 hours of her dose. Hmm. Um, but she had had a stroke just a few weeks previous to that. Ah. Okay. And, um, and even her husband, uh, who of course was bereaved at the time, uh, made a point of saying that, that he didn't think that or he didn't know if it had anything to do with didn't the COVID vaccine plan. or not, but she had just recently had a stroke. So the, uh, you know, so it's a very safe vaccine. That's it's cool. Very safe vaccine. And that's good. It's good to hear. And, and again, for our listeners, um, well, 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 George is technically retired uh, as a function of your involvement. You're besieged with uh, constantly updating information. And um, uh, it's not like George is out on Twitter picking this stuff up. You're uh, <laughs> some, some pretty credible sources, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, it's like being on Amazon. Once they get your number... Things just start showing up uh, on your on your, on your electronic doorstep, uh, uh, and and I'm one of those old-fashioned people that has to open every piece of mail, you know. So the uh, so I'll get something from uh, there's a there's a group called Medscape that all the doctors get on their phones, and uh, I get Meds, Medscape notifications five times a day, most of which I have no reason to read. Mm -hmm. Okay, but those ones that I do, uh, I get a lot of information off of there. Plus, like I said, the, the state of Michigan and the state of Ohio both have classes that we had to take uh, online uh, in order to qualify. Um, I don't know if I'll ever use any of the, that information, but maybe, maybe. Uh, I just like the fact that you're staying current and, and that you have resources available to assist you in that currency. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, there. There, there have been a lot. There's been a lot of stumbling uh, with the with the uh, uh, response to this. But I think that by and large, uh, we're we're doing well now. 
and and I think we're going to we're, we're going to see an upturn. Things are going to be fine. Okay, it's going to work out. And, and this so now after qualifying you with all these great things, I'm going to ask you to speculate a little bit. Um, do you, do you see a time once? Once we get a bunch of people vaccinated and these additional doses come online and we we get back into next fall and the early winter, do you do you see a situation where a, a yearly booster shot might be required or something to mm -hmm. yeah that, that's something allow that, for the variants and the morphine of the virus yeah yeah. Um, Personally, I think there probably will be a booster. You'll become like a flu shot. Um, um, uh, this type of virus mutates like crazy. Well, it wants okay. to stay alive. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of and, 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it, it, it's almost like a natural selection type of thing. Okay. Um, so yes, it's constantly mutating. Um, it's basically like a cold virus. It is a, the, it, well, it, a coronavirus, coronavirus is, is, is a cold virus, and it changes all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to require, you know, you may actually have some years where you don't need one. They may say the variant that's coming out this year should be handled by the vaccine that we had last year. Our problem is we don't know how long the vaccine lasts. Well, there we go. Okay. We, well, you know, it's funny because I, my wife, who was well-read on all of this stuff, she's a medical person too. Uh, I, I, I rarely tell my wife something she hasn't already read. Okay. Uh, maybe your wives are the same way. I don't know. But the, um, last night I was reading, uh, uh, there, there's a new um, uh, a recommendation now coming out from the CDC uh, that is saying that if you have if you have been had both doses of your vaccine and it's been two weeks since your last vaccine so two weeks after your last dose of vaccine okay and you're exposed to somebody who is covid positive you don't have to quarantine okay, okay. so that's a good thing okay but in the in the next paragraph down it says for 90 days. Okay. Well, after 90 days, that rule isn't in place Question anymore. <laughs> so if, if 90 I... 90 days from your last shot. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, 90 days from two weeks after the last shot. Yeah. So basically what that's saying is in 90 days, we don't know. We can't predict any more than what we've been administering to date, which is about 90 days. Right. So <laughs> is, is the, is the, is the okay. vaccine good for more than 90 days we're not sure we think it is it's a very good vaccine as far as excuse me efficacy 95 percent yeah. of the people that get this drug are not going to get sick the other five percent who do get sick but have had the vaccine tend not to die you know what i mean they're yeah. they're they they may go they may get sick but they won't get as as sick as they would have if they hadn't had the vaccine. Well, so, it's so very good vaccine. Here's so a layman, it sounds a lot like the flu vaccine. It is. Yeah. So, so kind of a layman's question uh, for me is, let's say, okay, you're two weeks past your second injection. You're yep. feeling pretty good about life, and you're still wearing your mask and such. But to your point, maybe you are exposed. Even though you may not personally get it, can you shed that virus to others? Yeah, there's a, that's an excellent question, and that is something that is on the lips of every physician that deals with this, physician, nurse, whoever that okay. deals with this, because they don't know. The feeling right now from both Pfizer and Moderna is that it is possible for you, as someone who has been vaccinated, to, a pass -through. to, still, to still carry the virus and to still spread the virus. Which is why they're saying, wear the mask, wash your hands, you know, socially distance. Um, they say that when we get to a certain percentage of people that are vaccinated, we're going to have some sort of 
what they call herd immunity, mm -hmm. okay? And there are different, different depending on who you talk to, there are different definitions There's of herd immunity. There's discrepancies in But I want, there, don't yeah. want people to go away with the idea that once we reach, quote, unquote, herd immunity, that you can't get the disease. You can't. You're not immune. If you haven't had the, if you haven't had the vaccine, herd immunity doesn't mean that you're immune. Right. Okay. It just means you're hanging around with a bunch of people who did what they were supposed to do and got their vaccines. And since none of them are sick, chances are you're not going to go sick. But it's a chance. It, you're, play, you're playing with statistics there. Mm -hmm. Get the vaccine. If you can get it, get it. There are some people who can't get it. Those people we got to be careful of. Okay. We have to, we have to care for them by taking care of ourselves first. And uh, so that's, that's, that's the that's the moral to that story is take your vaccine. Um, as far as getting back to the spreading part of it, um, they, they it doesn't matter who you read, which study you look at, they all seem to quote this same study that happened like back in 1963, where the, I think it was right after the mumps vaccine came out, okay. measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, sure. the MMR. Um, they showed that this one man who got his MMR vaccine, his, his, his measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, was exposed in like Ethiopia or someplace like that to mumps, never got the mumps, he was never sick, and he came home and they traced 3,000 cases of mumps <laughs> to this one man. Okay. Typhoid Mary. And it was evidently an e easy one to follow because he was coming from another country he came here where there was none mm -hmm. at that particular time of year or that particular year or whatever. And suddenly 3,000 people were directly traced to him. Mumps is incredibly mm -hmm. uh, 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 infectious. I mean, you spreads like it's like measles. Measles and mumps both spread very easily, um, much more easily than even the COVID does. Popular so, guy. Yeah. So anyway, for, for some, it doesn't matter which study you read. They always go back to that one guy that had the mumps That's back in 1963. But, uh, yeah, so, yes, it can, uh, we, we think that it will still be passable by people that have been immunized. Well, as, as with many things, acting in moderation always sounds to be a good plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, be, be cautious, be conservative, and... Those are protocols, and we should be okay. Wash your hands and don't lick doorknobs. Exactly. <laughs> and social distance. Yes, that's right. Awesome. George, I don't know that we've ever done uh, a hot stove or a podcast like this, but damn, very informative. Uh, yeah, topical and meaningful. Yeah. Well, strange. I'm, I'm sorry it isn't as fun as some of the subjects you guys talk I, about, but it uh, it was fun for me, I, too. I, I found well, you want to talk a little bit about your astronomy before you go? Take yeah. Five minutes and go on there? Uh, sure. Um, the uh, Living up here in Lovells, at least initially when I came up here, we had extremely dark skies. And uh, so I picked up an old habit of mine, which was astronomy from when I was a little boy. And, and got back into it. Uh, oh, it's probably been 10 years ago now. And the um, and of course, uh, little boys grow up and get bigger toys. And I, I, I really got into it and, and had a loving wife who didn't mind me spending money. So I bought big, bigger and bigger telescopes. And, uh, and up until just a uh, year before last, uh, my front porch was a big observatory. There was a big domed observatory on my front porch. And um, uh, I did, uh, I took a lot of pictures, a lot of uh, astrophotography uh, of uh, planets and nebulas and galaxies and put them all together in a children's book. It's, uh, I call it a children's book. It's in many of the libraries now uh, here in Michigan and in Ohio. It's available on Amazon or any place like that? No, it's actually out of print. That's the Twin Bridge Observatory, Lovells, Michigan. That's what it was called. And the um, well, for listeners, you know, a great way to to flip through this book and the Copper Fishman book is come mm. visit the museum. It's <laughs> at the museum, <laughs> and it's in our library. We're too. we're we're blessed to have a copy of each of these. So, <laughs> the, uh, but uh, 
when we, we, we built a new deck on the front of our house when I put my foot through the old one. And uh, when that happened, my wife said, well, let's not cut a hole in the new deck to put the observatory back up. So we didn't. Okay. And the, because uh, it sat right on the front deck. And the, um, so now I'm down to smaller telescopes <clears throat> and I don't go out nearly as often as I used to. So, weapon of choice, a, a Dobsonian or? Well, actually, I used a, I, I have a Dobsonian, but mainly I used a Schmidt, what they call the Schmidt cast grain. Okay. Okay. Um, and for our listeners, that does construction wise. Oh, it basically. A lot shortens. of people think telescopes from when they were kids. Right. And right. You're thinking of a big long tube like Galileo and and those guys. Well, basically, a Schmidt Cassegrain telescope is a reflecting telescope. Okay. It has a mirror inside of it. It depends on a curved mirror instead of a curved lens, um, and it basically shortens the telescope. It takes a telescope that would otherwise be 10 feet long, okay, and makes it roughly two feet long, okay. That's a Schmidt-Cassegrain, and if somebody really wants to get into that, they can either look it up or come and I'll sh come to the house. I'll show you one. <laughs> the, uh, but anyway, my my real passion for it became the astrophotography, taking the pictures, and the first thing that any photographer I think finds, you can ask Heather this or whoever else shoots a lot of pictures is that after they shoot all these pictures, they're not exactly sure what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Okay, you just got a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I had stacks and stacks of these pictures, and uh, so I made a book out of them. And, uh, and they certainly aren't of a quality that you would get, you know, from a professional uh, astronomer uh, or, or photographer. But they were good enough for me, and uh, I figured if they were good enough for me, they'd be good enough for kids. So I, I just wrote a small book and uh, uh, put it together with the uh, pictures uh, that I had and uh, some basic physics, some basic astronomy, and a little basic science, a little basic chemistry, all in that same little book. And, uh, and there's even a part in the back of the book that the parents can read so that they don't sound stupid when they talk to the kids. <laughs> and I, I actually addressed it right to the parents. So the... Uh, uh, and it's come over very well. I actually uh, had uh, two groups of kids come from the um, Grayling uh, summer reading program. They put them in a bus and brought them out. Oh, awesome. And uh, we had 40-some 40, 40 kids and I think eight adults. And uh, the adults had such a great time. Uh, we, uh, of course, it was daytime, so they couldn't look through the telescope into a dark sky. So uh, this is before I was retired. I... I drove up here early, early in the morning and went up in the trees out in front of my house and actually pasted pictures of planets up in the trees. And then I had three telescopes that I focused from the inside of the garage out there. So, and I had, had steps for the kids to step on. So everybody could say they looked in a real telescope and saw a planet or That's whatever. That's awesome. And, uh, and so, we, like I said, we had 40 kids and I think it was eight or 10 adults. And the adults had so much fun uh, that the following weekend, just the adults came back. Oh, there we go. And uh, so we had a, uh, a wine and telescope uh, evening on the deck with these adults. I like the sound of that, sir. And uh, so it was fun. <laughs> yes. um, you know where Sheep's Ranch is? Sure. Up the street there? Uh, that is the best observing area in the whole this whole area here. Oh, okay. Uh, if you if you want to watch, if you just want to watch the, the space shuttle go over, uh huh. Okay, it's published. You can go out and just, you don't have sure. to have a telescope or anything like that. You just watch. No, that's a bare what, eye event. That's fun. it's a bare eye event and it's a lot of fun, and and you can sit around for two hours before and an hour after. You know, have your yeah. What do you have like or five or six minutes or, of visibility? Or and cocktails <laughs> and wait for it to come over. It's over in five minutes and then go back to what you were doing. <laughs> In any case, um, the book is in the is in the uh, public library uh, in Grayling, in here, and also at the schools, uh, and we have it through Toledo and everything too. So it's it was well received, and we're happy to to have it. Unfortunately, it is out of print now. So, hmm. the, uh, well, I th it, it it's I've enjoyed flipping through it on numerous occasions at the museum, and um, I ha I have. No knowledge, but I have a fascination with the whole astronomy thing. We're blessed with, to your point, really neat 
mm-hmm. night skies. Um, and I think, what are we, hour, hour and 15 minutes away from a dark star, or oh, yeah. dark star observatory? Yeah, up, up, dark up by sky? Mackinac there, just, yeah. just to the uh, west of Mackinac. Yeah, dark sky site. Thank you. Yeah, dark sky site. And, and I have not been there. Nor have I, but I it's on the list. <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is, the, our sky here in Lovells has gotten noticeably brighter. I mean, just in the last three or four years. Do you, do you see the ghosting from Grayling and Gaylord? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing astrophotography, you're talking about exposures that go on for hours. Yes. Okay, so the amount of light photons that enter that thing just from scattered light, it totally ruined it. It totally ruined it. Um, Lewiston has gotten very bright. Grayling mm-hmm. has gotten very bright. Mm-hmm. Okay. Saying nothing. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it really, it really has. There's so much scattered light up there now. Um, I'm not sure if the new industry, like there in Grayling, puts out a lot of light or not. It did seem to happen around that same time. Honestly, I think I don't know if they're shooting. You know, parking lights up, but there's certainly a lot of flare mm-hmm. coming from that at night. Yeah. Well, the uh, like you were talking about the dark side up there. Mm-hmm. There are actually laws now in place within a certain uh, distance mm-hmm. of there that limit the type of lighting that can be can be because it's a designated federal dark site, um, and it does make a difference. It would be cool if some of the communities would adopt that and to downlighting instead of uplighting. Yeah, and it's not hard to do. No, and it looks it's not hard to do at all. It's all a matter of shading. It's all a matter of shading. So your driveway is just as just as well lit. The parking just, lot's just as safe. It's, it's just that it's, it's not different. going up into the sky. Right. But uh, <laughs> if you stand out here and drive my driveway and look up the power line right away to the north, there's a noticeable uh, glow in the sky. No. To the north, yeah. yeah. Well, that would be Gaylord. going towards Gaylord, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's you, you can tell it's off of one. But I remember when we first came here, when we were first building. And of course, I didn't have electricity there, or not very, not very much in the way of light bulbs. Anyway, at that point, um, it, once that sun went down, you were done working it because it was pitch black. Mm-hmm. That's not that way now. That's so not much. that way. I can walk from my house to my barn without any, without any light, uh, just from the ambient light in the neighborhood and it didn't used to be that way but uh there's there's a lot of simple astronomy that can just be done with a pair of binoculars and uh you don't have to get anything fancy you can see the rings of saturn which is what everybody wants to see is the rings of saturn sure you want to see craters on the moon and stripes on jupiter there you you go you can see all of those with a good pair of binoculars and a steady hand yep so the uh might be kind of fun sometime to have a star party I think it would be. We, we might think, try that. Uh, you know, we'll go down to Sheep's Ranch and we, set up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to figure that out. All right. I was also thinking down the road on Bald Hill where you have some elevation and you have all that flat mm-hmm. space out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about it uh, last year um, for the comet, but I thought, you know, that's probably where, sh- where we should have looked. Yeah. For the comet? Mm-hmm. The... Um, I did not have a lot of luck with the comet here. Mm-hmm. I went up to my brother's house. Who, he, he lives up in the Upper Peninsula out on the Keweenaw. Oh, there you go. Uh, and he lives out in Dollar Bay, which is out away from town a little bit. And, the, uh, and I was very disappointed not having seen the comet. And just out of the corner of my eye, I caught uh, a smear in, in the dark sky. Mm-hmm. And with my telephone... I just, I just, I just set the exposure on the telephone to maximum, and staring at it, I couldn't see it. I just caught it out of the corner of my eye, and uh, they have what they call averted vision. Mm. If you read about it in astronomy, your black and white vision is actually much more acute than your color vision is, okay. and you get more, more receptors for that in your eye out of the corner of your eye. Okay, in other words, by looking away, you can see something that's dimmer in the corner of your little eye. ancestral survival stuff i guess i don't know it has to do with rods and cones yep anyway so um uh long story short i took my phone and just kind of aimed it up at the big dipper and hit the exposure and held it as still as i could i got a perfect picture oh that's awesome i got huh. a perfect picture of the uh, of the comet and and i could not see it with my bare eye 
the little boy that, that uh, my wife and I uh, take care of sometimes looked up and he could see it just as plain as day. As you get older, you lose the ability to see those, those very faint objects with your naked eye. We need to start looking sideways at them. Use averted vision. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. But, awesome. Well, I think this has been a great podcast. Thank you, George. Well, thank you. I enjoyed very, doing very it. Very, very grateful for you taking the time enjoyed and sharing doing your knowledge it. and passions with us. And uh, Richard, um, I think we got a few more left uh, before we uh, head into the official trout season. So, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Bye for now. Hey, that was that was really super and interestingly um as we kind of alluded to early in the podcast this was taped a couple of weeks ago uh it's now march the 11th uh michigan and several other states have widened the scope of their uh, vaccine candidates so uh check with your local health department and find out what the uh what the thresholds are in your community and by all means take advantage of it if you can the uh so that's it. Uh, as always, we appreciate you listening and participating in the podcast. Uh, the Lovells Township Historical Society is a 501c3 organization. So, we, you know, we're nonprofit. Uh, we exist to, uh, you know, entertain, educate, and inform. And uh, hopefully we're hitting on all cylinders there. So thanks again for listening. Until next time in two weeks, be safe. Have fun and enjoy.